Coming to you live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet that never existed. And never will. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's the Noobs and the Hoovian. My name is Austin. I'm the Hoovian. These are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're the Noobs. And this is the podcast that's introducing a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and discussing it pr- from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons, sons who, who haven't. haven't. So welcome to episode number 68 covering series five, episodes four and five, The Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. This is the one where the Doctor, Amy, and River fight the weeping angels. I'm like freaking out over here. The Doctor scoops up River Song with the TARDIS and investigates a crashed ship containing one weeping angel. The Doctor throws them, them all? Hmm, I didn't write this very well. <laughs> you did not. There's other weeping angels. And the Doctor throws them all into the crack, and then he's off to solve a mystery. Remember that one? Story number 206, originally airing April 24th and May 1st of 2010 to 8.59 and 8.5 million viewers. So once again, we ask ourselves the questions, what did those 90,000 people think happened? Yeah. They just, <laughs> they just exploded know. something and the, those 90,000 people fell in the crack and never existed. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, then why? Which is why they were still able to watch the show. Wait, how could they watch the show? They would have been disappeared. That's because which causes so many ramifications. We're in all this time episode, travelers. but uh, that's right. We're all time travelers. We're all time so travelers. Uh, this one was written by who else, guys? Come on, who's it going to be? It's the Weeping Angels. Stephen. Uh, no, Russell T. Davies is gone. He's he's oh he is out. Yeah, no, this is Stephen Moffat, the original oh, yeah. author of the, uh, excuse me, the author oh, of the original Weeping Angels uh, episode, and directed by Adam Smith on, and that's for. Both of these episodes. Uh, miscellaneous trivia. Um, an in- Check this out. Okay, so you remember at the beginning, they're filming. They're out like out on a beach um, wh- wh- when they come across the, the shipwreck. So it's at the very beginning uh, at the very end. They're kind of on this gray uh, was that rock. Oh, yeah, beach? With a little rocks. Thing? Yeah, well, I mean, it was like rocks. It wasn't it was like, like a sandy a beach. Uh, yes, outside the temple, and the, the like water is lapping up. On, and it's basically, yeah, it's rocks. It's not like a sandy beach. So... They were filming at that location and high tide was coming in. And so the crew was forced to cut three pages worth of the script, worth of scenes out of the episodes. Never film on the beach. What's that? Never (laughs) film on the beach. Never. Well, at least don't set the TARDIS at the high tide line. Apparently. (laughs) I I mean, I guess that's what was happening. Anyways. So uh, they cut three pages worth of the script, including the scene that Karen Gillan had used to audition. Like the scene that they had her do oh. to audition for the part of Amy uh-huh. was Psych. one of the ones that got cut. So that's lost. We'll, <laughs> we'll never uh-huh. see that. And then as a result, the episode was coming up short on time, right? So, I mean, like you've, you've got this much uh-huh. time to shoot. You cut a bunch of it. Now they're coming up short. So Stephen Moffat, at the last minute, added the whole bit about the TARDIS breaks and making the noise. Remember that whole thing where she she said... So they came up two minutes short and decided to add that in. Apparently, yeah. So the bit where, where wow. she said she parked the... Uh, River said she parked the TARDIS and the doctor's like, what do you mean? It didn't make the sound. And, you know, That's he's because like, you put on the brakes. Yeah, she says it's not supposed to sound like that because you leave the brakes on. I was like, first of all, <laughs> that's hilarious. Second of all, like that 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 is that is a that is like a canon impacting line. Mm. 
right? That the TARDIS is not supposed to sound that way. The icon, that's like saying it's not supposed to be blue. It's like saying yeah. police boxes were actually green, you know, like, yeah. which would be a very weird color. It would but, be. Oh, it, I mean, well, the doctor wasn't anyway. originally, well, I mean, the doctor actually um, didn't build a Sonic, like 13 didn't build a Sonic. She actually found it. It's like changing the rules. Like what? No, it'd be like saying it, it'd be like saying the the TARDIS doesn't actually do anything. It's all in the Doctor's mind. I mean, like that's the level we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like Harry Potter all took place inside his mind. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, one of those mind. kind of theories. Um, so you you take that level of of like canon influencing, and it doesn't change anything, but it's a it's a funny little thing. And I was going to make you know special note of that. I love that line, and then come to find out. It wasn't even, it was a last minute edition by Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat, ladies and gentlemen, writing episodes he doesn't remember that turn out to have, you know, the greatest villain of all time. Mm -hmm. And then writing a massively universe changing line uh, at the last minute because, because um, they needed extra can. time. Because they decided to film at low tide and not high tide. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, yeah. yeah. They didn't film at low enough tide, I guess. So. Didn't you just film it okay. the next day? Now, Last thing for miscellaneous trivia, do you remember that all the timey-wimey stuff about the show always taking place one year in the future mm -hmm. and uh, going back to, it was either Rose or maybe it was the second episode, it I don't was know. Rose. Um, it was Rose. It was an episode where he brought her back yeah, he a, year back a year in the future on accident. Right. Uh, and we, we talked about how that created issues with the in-universe timeline and the writers were confused and the and the, the, the fans were confused and there's all kinds of like, what are we doing here? That's all gone now. Because if y'all remember, I said, we're going to fix that. When we talked about this a few episodes back, I said, we're going to, we have now definitively shown in-universe, we have confirmation that Amy's wedding is set 2014. for June. What's that? It's 2014. No, 2010. So wait. Yes. 2010. Yeah, 2010. It's June 26th, 2010. I swear that thing said 2014. Uh, you were probably looking at it before it, it actually resolved, because it wasn't until the very end when they showed it again that it actually resolved to 2606. So it just like decided to change? No, 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 no. That final number was still like flipping around. It never resolved on 2010 because it was just supposed oh. to look like a random string of numbers because River said, and for those of us who can't decipher the base code of the universe, it just looked like random numbers. And then it's at the end, you see it again, and it fully resolves to a very obvious date. I knew that was a date, but I thought it said 2014, so nope. apparently I was wrong. Yes, you were You were wrong because it says 2010. Uh -huh. So, so, But again, we, we it took us until – well – it didn't take us until now to do it, but it took us until now to confirm it. So the first episode of this series, 11th Hour, didn't resolve it. Mm -hmm. Because if you remember, where did, where did the 11th Hour, where did the Doctor originally land? In the present? No, the past? Yeah, he, he mm -hmm. was 14. Was it 14 years in the past? I think so, yeah. Because when he came back, it was 12 years later. And then and when he, he came back again, it was two more years, years later. Mm -hmm. And when he comes back and it's two more years later, it is 2010. So that's, so we're back. <laughs> mm -hmm. We are now in sync with the Hooniverse. So, yay. Hurrah. Noobs in the Hoovian is brought to you by R5 Website Management, where you can get world class hosting, domain registration, and security at a great price. Now, we guys, uh, we guys, you guys, we guys, us guys, we have a special deal. 
for you guys. <laughs> just for noobs and the Whovian listeners, uh, if you go to store.websitemanagement.com and use the code noobs at checkout, you can get 15% off of your entire order. So as we've said in the past, get your email, get your domain registration, get your hosting, get your security, get all of your stuff, throw it all in the cart all at one time because you're going to get that discount off of the entire order. So once again, go to store.r5websitemanagement.com. Use the code NOOBS at checkout for 15% off your entire order and get started building your awesome website today. All right. Uh, as far as the, the cast this week, uh, the only the only real standout, we've already talked about uh, Alex Kingston as River Song. We've, we've talked about Amy. We've talked about Matt Smith. Uh, we had Octavian. Right, Bishop Father. Octavian. Mm-hmm. Father, yeah. Octavian. Father yeah. Octavian. Which yes. is so Something interesting. Like that. Interesting. At least it wasn't but... Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor uh, Octavian. But at any rate, what did I saw? Anyways, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> totally off topic. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna waste the time. Uh, this is played by Ian Glenn, and he was a guy that, like, the whole time I'm watching him, I'm going, I kind of feel like I recognize this guy, but I'm not really sure. He has been in a lot of stuff. The main thing that he's notable for and that I'm probably recognizing him simply from memes and commercials mm-hmm. and things like that is he was on Game of Thrones. Mm. So that's kind of like instant, you know, plus 10 on your visibility <laughs> score. He was in Game because of Thrones. Because so. nothing has more memes than Game of Thrones. Also, who hasn't been in Game of Thrones? I mean, seriously. Uh, well, <laughs> they kill off characters so easily. It's, uh, spoilers? Jeez. Come on, well. man. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the one thing I know about that show is don't get attached to anyone because everyone <laughs> is fair game. And so. also that the last season really sucked, apparently. apparently. So, that's <laughs> all I know. Yeah. So uh, the the checklist for the week, we had the creature of the week returning the weeping angels. Uh, so we learned a few new things about the weeping angels. So let's, let's we don't really have this in the let's talk about section. Let's just talk about the weeping angels right now. So first of all, we learned that, uh, well, first of all, there was a an expert on the weeping angels who wrote a book about the weeping angels. Interesting. Yeah. And in that, uh, the doctor learns that anything that takes the image of an angel becomes an angel. Which is why what? there's no pictures of angels. Right. Which is why in Except the definitive on book. Google. <laughs> Get rid of the computer. And apparently in the visual centers of Amelia's brain. So Wait, but never I've look seen a at angel. a weeping angel or it will so this go into was, your mind. This is part of what I wanted to talk about is that the doctor says, you know, their whole defense mechanism is you have to look at them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in looking at them, you keep them, you, 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 you keep, keep them, them as stone so that, you know, you're safe from them, but you're also staring at them. I mean, shouldn't that mean that anyone who's ever seen a weeping angel? No, you have to look at their yeah. eyes. Remember? Okay. He said, don't look but, at the eyes. Yeah. Cause he said the, the eyes aren't the window of the soul. They're the door. Actually, that's an interesting point because, uh, they constantly have their eyes covered, so unless it was actively yeah. attacking you. But then there are plenty of times yeah. where it is attacking someone. Yeah, Surely yeah, say, they stared at its eyes. This is not the first time we've seen their yeah. terrifying eyes, and then it's now they're in your brain. So I don't know. Does that yeah, mean just, every time that someone looks at them, they just oh, they become a weeping angel? Plot holes. Well, and it doesn't even mean that because see, it wasn't. I wasn't clear. Was 
was Amy turning into a weeping angel? Well, I, I mean, like, like her hand was stoned or whatever. And yeah, but that but was it wasn't. And stuff fell out of her eyes or whatever. Was that also in her head? Because you could see it on camera. Yeah, because it totally just... Well, you could see her hand becoming stone on camera. Which that, is what I'm Also, saying. Also, oh, I God. love the... <laughs> I love the... Oh, I just rubbed my eyes and a ton of dirt and sand fell out of it. Now this person's wondering what's wrong and I'm just going to be like... Oh, uh, yeah, nothing. No, okay, I'm fine. Yeah, so here's your here's your um, Corbin rant your of the week. Uh, Why? Well, no, I was gonna say your sci-fi PSA of the week. If you ever find yourself in a set of strange circumstances and something weird is happening to you that you feel like you shouldn't share with anybody else on your team, share it with share everyone. With, uh, what military unit? Yes, exactly. Yes. Share it just, with everyone. Share it loudly uh-huh. and and just keep saying it until. Are you fine? Uh, no, actually, I just rubbed my eyes and a ton of sand came out of yeah, them. Yeah, that was weird. I like, need help. Weird, like sandy like stony type stuff just fell out of my eye from what looked to be the palm of my hand when i was rubbing my eye and i looked into the weeping angel's eye when the doctor told me not to yeah but other than that i mean other than that i'm perfect anytime you wonder if someone on your team is okay the answer is no they're they're not fine yeah Uh, they are becoming the bad guy or they are dying or whatever you know, they like, are slipping into another dimension. Whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. that it is happening to them. And if anybody tells you to come back because of something happening, <laughs> always right. come back. That's right, yes. Uh-huh. If someone ever says, please don't go, whatever you do, don't, don't go. go. Okay. <laughs> well, unless they're telling you to come over an intercom where you can't see them, and then suddenly they're going to kill you and use Especially your Especially in a dangerous position. centers or whatever to this speak with you. Okay, okay, also, okay. Why okay let's he... revise the rule. Don't ever leave the camera. Don't ever go off, off, uh-huh. shot, off scene. Don't ever go off camera. Uh, that's true, that's what it true. is. Yeah. Just like grab Plus, the camera, start making unless, it follow you around. Unless the camera is the point of view of the villain. Okay, let's get back on track. Yeah. <laughs> so the Weeping Angels, so their image is their power, mm-hmm. apparently, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Because uh, by not getting energy, they uh, lose their wings and their faces start melting. Yeah, they start losing <laughs> yeah. their form altogether. I thought that was kind of cool, actually. Yeah, but They're, why like, the wings in particular? Those just disappeared so that whatever they can hide reason. easier to make it a plot point i was gonna say yeah from a from a production level it's because it makes it less <laughs> obvious hide easier except for the fact that they were walking around among people with single head talking about an alien species with two so they could have just <sighs> said we didn't notice like the fact that we didn't well, notice they didn't, only had one head well i didn't s- i didn't understand what was going on me so neither like, i was two head their explanation was just I said it when we could, were watching. That one could slip by really easy. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. saying it while we were watching. I thought the king ruler guy was important yeah, and big had, because he had two heads. That's not what I thought too. Everyone had two heads and then yeah. he was just the ruler because why not? So I was confused. <laughs> yeah. No, this was just a case of the doctor, you know, saying, yeah, I hung out with a king once, you know, just like he always does. But And it had two heads because so, why not? So the angels, uh, because they were there trapped there for centuries without energy, without power or whatever. They're, they're decaying and everything. But then, then we have apparently the idea that the, the doctor explains this, and I don't know if he learned this in the book or, or what. I think that was the idea. Yeah, that he, that, that, so, so we've already established if you look at an angel, they are, uh, quantum locked. So by observing them, you turn them to stone. 
right? Mm -hmm. And 10 said it is a fundamental part of their nature. They can't help it. It's what they are. It is, it is an aspect of their being, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then 11 tells us that if they think you can see them, their instincts will kick in. But only if they're scared of something. Right. So what? Their instincts will kick in and they will remain stone. So, so if apparently, they're scared of something and they think that they can that they can see them, then they turn to stone because they think <laughs> that they can be seen. But otherwise, they're quantum locked. If anything looks at them, then they turn to stone? Yes. Is that what we're saying? Yes. So it's rules. so it's like uh. it's like an involuntary thing, right? Okay. So so like if I, you know, if, if you touched your hand to a stove, your skin will burn. It is a mm -hmm. fundamental fact of your nature. Mm -hmm. Your skin can't hold up to temperatures that high and will burn, mm -hmm. right? If you look at an angel, they turn to stone. Mm -hmm. Now the flip side of that is you cannot by instinct or fear or whatever else, make your skin burn and flake off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So like, how is it that they can just turn themselves to stone? So it went from being this thing that they can't help. It's an involuntary, like physical base level thing of, of what they like are. Defense as mechanism. To, so, isn't it? Uh, the, yeah. Like the adrenaline. ultimate defense mechanism. Like adrenaline rush. If you're scared, right. you get adrenaline, and right. then you can't like yeah, you apparently can't stop your you adrenaline can't. turns them to stone. But yeah. you can't sit there and think hard enough, and suddenly you have enough adrenaline to do whatever to you want. Turn to stone. Just not how it then that, so we, I think we may have even talked about this. Is like, what do the angels look like when they're not being observed? Well, apparently, like they, stone. Yes. Apparently, like stone. Don't. They stopped breaking the fourth wall. We actually see them move this time. Uh, what, and four or five times? Yeah, it was a yeah. couple of times. Because we see when they I was reach thinking, out and grab the doctor's uh -huh. jacket. We I mean, see I was that. thinking, Pull is back. this going to be another one where they just, we don't see him moving? Because I know we see him move at some point, but well, this is, is it. it not yeah. this episode? No, okay. They do move, which yeah. is nice, but. Yeah. And then they, they still look like stone. The, the part where they, they not only look like stone, they when their heads were turning, did you hear the sound? Yeah. yeah. It sounded like two pieces stone. of marble rubbing up against it's each like, other. It's like, I thought you were only stone as a defense mechanism. Right. Not you looked and sounded like stone whether you were a defense mechanism or not. Right. Maybe they were still tense and they were slightly turning back. <laughs> I mean. Because like, I like you that. saw. I was so tense. I was like granite. I had to like pop no, my no, neck, you know. No, like they were just coming back. Like they were slowly because they weren't sure if the danger was still there. And they weren't sure so if like the danger could see there. it. I mean, yeah. I guess it makes uh, the idea of a quantum lock make a little bit more sense because it's not they're turning to stone. It's they're like already made of stone and then they're just freezing. Yeah, but that's not what they said. It's Ten not. said when, when you look at them, they, they become stone. They, mm -hmm. they turn to stone. And, and this is a case where if this episode had been written or these two episodes had been written by anyone else, I would be going, oh, man, they're like, they should have had Moffat write this. They're ignoring the original, except that it is Moffat that wrote so, it. And it's like, eh. What? So. They just yeah. didn't want to have to make new props. So they just. Yeah. They just use the same costumes. Right, well, yeah, except that none of the original ones moved. Yeah, so they actually did have to create something new 
so that it, they would look like stone but be able to move. And that's, I don't even know if that was practical, if that was CGI. I don't even know. A person just in people. the suit? Yeah, it could have been a person in makeup. It could have been... Uh, Some sort of robot, maybe, but nah, didn't look like it. Much, but it didn't like, look like it though, because there was like no visible crinkling thing. Or yeah, anything. yeah, exactly. So, at any rate, I'm not crazy about some of the inconsistencies of the Weeping Angels. However, they were still an amazing villain. So, mm-hmm. moving along, so we we had uh, on the checklist bad CGI. I didn't see any of this go around. I didn't see much I CGI. All the special effects on this one were pretty good. They didn't go very ambitious though. It's like floating ball that oh. produces light, and so it's. Oh yeah, and when that when when the doctor shot that and it shattered and it looked like it had some kind of like glowing liquid in it. I know I was that like, was really cool. That was really cool. The this interesting, but the Byzantium, the ship, at the beginning was kind of lame. Was it? Yeah, when she goes follow that ship, and that, and you see yeah. it whizzing by the you know as they're looking out the door of the TARDIS, that looked a little lame. But yeah, you know whatever whatever. Uh, let's see, Jiggery Pokery. Uh, we had a few things about the TARDIS here. So uh, we have seen it create an atmospheric bubble around itself, like when Amy was floating around outside of the TARDIS and like she's like, how am I still breathing? Mm-hmm. You know, the doctor says that the, they, he extended a, an atmospheric bubble around it. This time, River requests an air corridor. Wait, is that? Oh, I thought it was more like, what happens in the last Jedi where she's just floating out towards the thing? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It, she says, "And I could do with a with an air corridor, right?" Mm. And then as she's, I didn't catch that floating. She said it right before when she was giving out the coordinates. Remember? Yeah. And um, she said, "I could do with an air corridor." And then yeah, she kind of goes floating through space, and she's floating through space before the TARDIS materializes. Yeah. So, so if there was an air corridor, no air corridor there. Yeah, but. it wasn't a big deal. Like, yeah, like you said, Princess Leia style. She just kind of Mary Poppins her way through Wait, so space, and then. But if there was an air bubble, she them. would have fell down, and she wouldn't be just floating air, anymore. Not no, 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 no. Remember, because Amy was floating, even though she had oh. air to breathe. Remember, oh, we talked yeah, about no, that. no so, gravity. Yeah, yeah, he extended the atmosphere, <laughs> but not the gravity. Is it like weak enough gravity oh. to just pull in the air, but not you? Or like, how does that work? But, like, the tortoise understand. has to have gravity. What? How is the air bubble sticking to you instead of just dispersing everywhere? Is it no, 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 no. really weak no, gravity? No, it was an air shell around the whole TARDIS. Yeah, but when It just extended it outward. But why isn't it dispersing everywhere? Why isn't what dispersing everywhere? The air. Because <laughs> it's an air shield. <laughs> but it's still science. air. <laughs> like a lightsaber. Think of it like a force field. Think of it like a force field. Uh-huh. Containing made of the air. air. No. <laughs> Containing air, not made of air. It's not a literal air bubble. It, so if I were literally to float to the edge of it, I couldn't go past it? Is that what we're trying to say? You know, uh, shut I up, really you. don't know. <laughs> they, <laughs> don't know go, they don't I go don't. That, in, that into detail. Like, so you know, I don't. Then we have River uh, bringing up all kinds of stuff, like the blue stabilizers. She, she tells the doctor to turn on the stabilizers because the, you know, the TARDIS is rocking all around. She says, turn on the stabilizers. He says, it doesn't have stabilizers. She says, yes, the blue buttons. And he says, they don't do anything. They're, they're just, just blue. blue. She says, yeah, they're blue stabilizers. And then she hits them and everything settles out. She's like, ta-da. And he's like, yeah, it's boring. Blue boringers. I love 
pile of blue boringers was a great. That's almost a jibberty jabberty. I like it's when they're whooshing around, you're flying normally. Yeah, it's what now? Not fun when you're flying yeah, normally. Way less exciting when you, when you're doing all that, and then you don't know you don't know you're traveling through space and time, and then you don't know that you've landed. Like there's no indicators whatsoever. Yeah, it's interesting. So did you have it's the like River knew because as we mentioned earlier, it's not supposed to make that noise. He he just leaves the brakes on. So. In the same way that your car makes horrible noises if you leave your parking brake on and start driving, the TARDIS <laughs> apparently makes that sound when you leave the brake on. But if he leaves reasons? the brake on, sure. is that why it makes the noise when he's leaving? Yeah. Does he just always have the brakes on? I have no idea. <laughs> Again, it was a last minute addition. I don't think it was thought through. Anyways. I mean, it's just, it's like not knowing that you can snap to open the TARDIS doors. <coughs> he just doesn't know how to use this thing at all. Oh, quite Also, clearly. it's a new TARDIS, so he might not know all I know. the I know. Say that again. It's a new TARDIS. He just got it like two episodes ago. And then he's over uh, here like yeah. flipping knobs and dinging bells and crap. I'm like, how do you know what half like, of this Typing on his little typewriter. Yeah, I do love how he started, he started using the bell, and I'm wondering if that's was that a scripted thing or is that a Matt Smith thing? Like ringing like the bell every time we put stuff in. I love that. Didn't um, the first doctor? Didn't he come up with what yes, every he, switch did? Mm-hmm. He had a, a specific sequence of events that he did, and it's funny because if you compare that to nine, ten, and eleven, they never do the same thing twice, except for there's always throwing a big switch. I know. That's the yeah. thing that like, so you go boop, 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 and then you go thump and throw the switch like, and that's when... The most oversized switch. Yeah, just always, always. Mm. All right, so for Jibberty Jabberty, we had <laughs> we had the needle in a haystack bit. I love this. Uh, so, so there's weeping angels in a maze of the dead. Which are weeping angels, by the way. Well, we didn't know that at the time. Filled with other statues. So... River says, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, to which the doctor says, a needle that looks like hay, a hay-like needle of death, a hay-like needle of death in a haystack of uh, statues. No, no, yours was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, no, needle in a haystack, that was fine. We were good there. (laughs) Or maybe it was Bishop that said needle in a haystack. I don't know. but Someone did. I love that. (laughs) A a hay-like needle of death in a haystack of uh, statues. (laughs) Just kind of got away from him there. So Clearly. Uh, no mention of the Time War, uh, the Pandorica. So River tells the Doctor that he will see her again when the Pandorica opens. How does Are, she know that? Right, she's, she's living on the life out of with him. order? Wait, wait, what? What, Corbin? She knows that the Pandorica opens, which means she was with the Doctor when it happened. Okay, and Trip? How does she know that that's going to happen next? She didn't say that was what was going to happen next. She said, she said see you'll you see again. me again. When, oh. So, well, if you, if by next you mean the next time they see each other. Yes. Okay, then yes. Yeah, not like she the next know. thing that the doctor will do. But the next yeah, time... Yeah, still. Yeah, according to her, the next time we're going to see her, or that the doctor's going to see her, is when the Pandora opens. I want to see important. that be wrong or something. There's an important note you left out here. What's that? That was, um, the doctor says after that something about, oh, that was just all a fairy tale. So, yeah. Dad... You're cheating us. That's important information, and you left it out. You remembered it. <laughs> uh, no, he does. He, the doctor says that the Pandorica, she says when the Pandorica opens, and he just laughs and says the Pandorica is a fairy tale, and, to which River says, <laughs> I don't remember. Spoiler. She, she says, no, she says, aren't we all, dear? Oh, right. I thought that was great. Existential much. Corbin, yeah, Corbin, was it you that pointed out that was kind of a little bit of a fourth wall wink? Mm-hmm. 
there where it was like, just, yeah, but aren't we all fairy tales? It's like, well, I mean, uh-huh. in, the, in as much as you're a television program, yes, uh-huh. I guess you are. A fairy tale. I love, I love how he tells the person that clearly knows a lot about his future that the Pandorica is just a fairy tale. Uh-huh. Even though she probably has actually experienced whatever the Pandorica is. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's come back to that idea and trip what you were saying about how does she know that that's going to happen next? Let's come back to both of those. Corbin, drop down in the notes and let's put that under who is River Song. Um, so oh. min, put uh, so so the Pandorica is a fairy tale, and okay. whether or not you know why doesn't the doctor believe her about that? And then how does she know that that's going to be the next time he sees her? All right, so make a note down there. Uh, the silence, we didn't get anything this week about the silence, unless I missed something. Mm, I didn't see anything. No. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, me, 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 me. I don't think this is really the silence, but I did see a note in the in the wiki that, remember there's a bit where Angel Bob says mm-hmm. that the angels are laughing. And why are the angels laughing? Because the doctor doesn't know. The doctor in the TARDIS doesn't know. The Doctor mm-hmm. and the TARDIS is in, a weird way of phrasing. The Doctor in the TARDIS doesn't oh, know. Okay. Now, do you remember that phrase? Did it ring a bell? No. All right. So let me let me just write that down. The Doctor in the TARDIS doesn't know. Uh, this goes back to Eleventh uh, Hour with Prisoner Zero when Prisoner Zero was appearing as the woman and the two daughters, mm-hmm. and the mother says. The doctor in the TARDIS doesn't know with the, one of the daughter's voices. Yeah. And then she goes, doesn't know, doesn't know. She said that same, or he, Prisoner Zero said that same phrase. The doctor in the TARDIS doesn't know. I did and not so now catch we have, that. huh? I did not catch that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I, it, it, it rang a bell, but I couldn't remember exactly what it was. So yeah, uh, Angel Bob says that same phrase. The doctor in the TARDIS doesn't know. And it's causing the angels to laugh. So that brings us to the crack. It's bad. It's Clearly. extremely very not good, the doctor said. <laughs> he's scanning That's a great it and he's like, what are you? And then he looks at his, looks at his, you know, the reading on his sonic. Oh, that's and says, bad. oh, that's bad. Oh, that's extremely very not good. Uh, he's, he describes it as the fire at the end of the universe. Okay. He describes it as the end of the universe. Okay. Uh, then he says... Uh, Okay, uh, how is a duck pond a duck pond if there aren't any ducks? And why didn't you remember the Daleks? I feel like she's take, he's taking that duck pond thing a little too seriously. It's just a small pond. It's yeah, a it's one pond. of those things where it was a quirky moment in that episode that is now all of a sudden a plot point? Because <laughs> reasons? I, sure, why not? The doctor uh, likes to overthink things, apparently. He talks about the Cyber King walking all over 19th century London and no one remembers it. I don't know what he's basing that off of. I feel like we're missing something there. Has that, Maybe. like, I mean, no one talks about it, I suppose. But also, that yeah, was like, mean, like talks a about any couple. Of I don't talk about Pearl Harbor on a regular basis. I yeah, mean, I mean, right? Yeah, like you know, like what I, mean? I mean, I get what you're saying. Like yes, we didn't have a scene where he said something about the Cyber King, and, and somebody was like, what? "What? Yeah, like." Don't you remember that time that a robot, you know, tried to stomp out London and everybody goes, no, that never happened. Like we didn't get that scene. Yeah. So I don't know if that's something that like we lost in a rewrite somewhere. Mm. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Those part of those three pages that got cut. Out, wasn't <laughs> it? Honestly, that's what I was just wondering. Yeah. So we have uh, the idea that those who go through the crack or, or touch it, we, we were never clear because we never see it happen. 
right? Because he says, one, at I'm one going point, up to the crack, and then we lose. Yeah, he just so disappears. We don't really know if he walked in, exactly. If he touched That's, it, or if something exactly. happened. He says, like, it makes you feel weird. Uh-huh. It makes you feel, and you know, the radio mm-hmm. goes yeah. dead. So we and, don't know. Does that mean he reached out and touched it? Did he walk through it? What happened? Yeah, and obviously there is so many ramifications of these people just never having existed, especially when all the weeping angels haven't existed, and suddenly there's no point put, for them put, to be on it, this planet. Put it in the let's talk about section. Okay. That, that'd be that'd be a good one to talk about because we've got some some definite uh, oddities stuff there. there. What's but they're that? time travelers, so they yeah. remember everything. Uh, hang on, hang on to it. We'll talk about it all there. Uh, let's see. So those who go through it have never existed, and then at the very end, the crack is gone for now, but the explosion is still happening out there somewhere. The doctor says. So okay. somewhere there's an explosion, and it caused the crack in time. Is that is that what we said? I guess I don't. Or I wasn't clear about that. Like how did caused by the crack. I don't know. Ooh. Like, how is a single... It it, it, they're, they're together, right? They're related yeah. somehow. Right, yeah. But a single explosion caused the entire universe throughout space and time to begin cracking. Seems weird. I, must have been a pretty big explosion. <laughs> okay, so the doctor says that the crack is the fire at the end of the universe, and then he says it's the end of the universe. What, trip? what do you think he means when he says it is the end of the universe? I mean, he's saying that it's the fire at the end of the universe, so it's not, oh, the universe is coming to an end. It's like at the very edge of the universe. It's the last, it's as far out as you can get, and you can't travel any farther okay. without crossing dimensions or dropping into whatever they were talking about with like the the Daleks were floating around or whatever. The void. Yeah, yeah. the void or whatever. All right, so Corbin, agree or disagree? My understanding with them going through it or touching it and then never having existed was that that is what ends the universe, not like that being there is what causes the end of the universe, not that it is like attached okay. to the end so, of the universe. So there's a double entendre there, right? I think it's like a crack it as... that's on the edge of okay. the universe. So Trip thinks it's the end of the universe like the end of a sidewalk uh-huh. right mm-hmm. corbin thinks it's the end of the universe like uh you know uh, a a wrecking ball is the end of a building <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the thing that is going to cause the end right so i was one that's that's really i did not even prompt you guys <laughs> and i love that y'all came up with the yeah. opposite meanings there so We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, I tell you what, let's and let's let's bring that back up when we talk about theories because we're mm-hmm. like expanding our our, our theories. more theories to be had this season than most of the previous yeah, ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this one's a lot more explicit. Like yeah. we didn't the get the crack is like you know you get all the way to the end of the one episode there. and the crack is right there behind the TARDIS. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not. Like, Bad Wolf is vaguely written on this poster. It's there's a giant crack forming on the space whale or something yeah like well and 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 the doctor like it was the plot point of the first episode uh-huh. yeah so it, it's definitely uh, much more much more prominent yeah it's not like the bad what's wolf that where bad wolf doesn't explain anything at all <laughs> right yeah a random it's word not building you know until the second to yeah. last episode what were you about to say Corbin? the when when you when you go through the crack uh-huh. you mm-hmm. disappear and you've never existed yeah but 
how did Prisoner Zero use the crack to escape then? That would have required him to go through it, but he obviously still existed when he came out the other oh, side. That's weird. Maybe it was a different, um... No, because they flew there. I was going to say it's a different, like, uh, dimension or whatever. Right, but then, yeah, but, but the attraction they, actually showed yeah. up. So. And, and they didn't fly through the crack. So, yeah. so at that point, Doesn't the mean- crack opened up and we were looking into, it was like, it was like a wormhole. Like mm-hmm. We were looking into another physical location. Yeah. Ever since that episode, though. It's been, it's been just, it's just a random been crack. Glowy glowy and killing anything that goes through it worse yeah. than killing making it never exist and it's like that one episode of wait a minute star trek deep space nine was it i don't remember some ship that TNG. maybe yeah. yeah yeah uh where dr crusher's the only one left in the universe no no the oh. where they landed on the planet and caused a whole civilization got zapped back in time and then flew away and it we're clearly thinking of different episodes anywho oh. <laughs> i just thought of something in yes. the 11th hour, remember, he used the sonic to widen the crack so that it would then slam shut. Mm-hmm. Uh. And at that point, Prisoner Zero had already come through, and nothing has come back through it ever since then. So did the doctor widening Close the off. crack and making it slam shut do something to the crack? Because ever since then, it's been all glowy, which turns out to mean time energy is spilling out, is what we discovered so this episode. Doctor. The doctor is what, when he slammed it together, he closed off the... It was the a wormhole di- aspect? Yeah, of it? it was a yeah, dimensional portal, portal or something like right. that. But when he closed it, it broke, like it broke um, time when he tried to close it. Interesting. The thing I'm confused about, though, is... Um, By the way, at this point... I, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm I'm vaguely remembering where it's going. So as I'm speculating with you, I'm not giving away spoilers because <laughs> I don't really remember. <laughs> so, um, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Darn. <laughs> Sorry. No, I completely forgot. It was something about the crack. Um, okay, so it's supposedly, I'm confused. Is it supposed to be the same crack Everywhere? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. That's it, why it's the same shape everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the same shape, and then Sorry. supposedly it is everywhere. Right. Except it's clearly not everywhere. It is in yeah. certain Specific. physical spaces and is supposedly growing within those spaces, but is still not everywhere. Otherwise, yeah. everything would be gone currently. Right. right. So, yeah. the question is it. Does it always show up by the doctor? Like the little flying eyeballs were chasing the doctor. Was the crack chasing the doctor? Mm. Is the crack coming for him because he knows, like he said, the only thing that's equivalent is all those angels out there. Right. So he sh- so maybe they're trying to get to him and feed on him, and that's why they're following him because he's such a big event. Who's the crack? They? The crack? The crack. Yeah, the okay. crack doesn't seem sentient, though. It's just... A crack. Cracks aren't normally sentient, so. But I don't it's know. like Nothing coming. That I've met. But it was coming towards them and growing, and seemed to be coming at them and drawing people closer to it. It has to be at least somewhat sentient. I mean, it seemed like it was drawing people in, like moth to a flame. Like a flame isn't trying to attract a moth. It, it just, just is. Yeah. But it, it needed to feed on something. I don't think it's the fact that it no. needs to feed. Right. 
the doctor the throwing himself into it is just would slow it down. S- yes, mm. so think of it like cooling rods in a nuclear reactor. It's, mm. You're not feeding the nuclear reactor as though it's hungry and wants something. You're just slowing down the process. Mm-hmm. Oh, it doesn't explain why the crack completely slams shut and then disappears off the wall altogether at the very end. Uh, yeah, anyway. but. Uh, so, existential horror, we've kind of hinted at this. If you go into the crack, you never existed. Congratulations. Fun. Do you still remember everything? Do you still somehow exist? If you go through the crack? Yeah, do you still existed? No, you're, you are erased from existence ever. But, like we said before, Prisoner Zero went through it. So does that mean he still is somewhat sentient? He, he still is a being that's... No, no, no. no. He was not... Zero predates that rule yeah. somehow. Mm. That's what I was saying. Maybe when the doctor did whatever he did with the Sonic, maybe it changed the nature of the crack. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, when Prisoner Zero came through, it didn't... It was just a, like a wormhole Yeah, at the time. So. And then something happened, and now you just simply don't exist any longer. Right. It's not, and you never yeah. have. So, remember, he tells, he tells Amy... Like, you have to do this. Don't worry about the angels. All they can do is kill you. <laughs> She's yeah. like, what does the time energy do? And he says, you'll never have existed. It's not just that you're dead. It's that you never were. So that's that's a whole other existential The question is, right what's there. better? Dying to an angel and then having them reanimate you and you somehow still be alive? Or, or going into the crack rules. and never have existing Ooh. ever? Like, other, other existential horror... Uh, Angel Bob uh, being resurrected just to be a walkie-talkie. Yeah, I mean he seems to be sentient Basically. still. It's not. Yeah, yeah. the angels are they definitely not controlling him. Cortex. They're just feeding him and yeah. telling him. Yeah, Corbin and I talked about it briefly after the episode that that it wasn't it wasn't like an angel went into his body or anything. I it's mean, they, I feel it says like they stripped out his cerebral cortex. So there's there. They're using him, but it's him. They're not using his body. They're using but his mind. But with the mind. other guys, they were both saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Why were they luring him in? Wouldn't they warn him? Because the, the angels aren't controlling him. Yeah, I kind think. Of. Real question is kind why didn't I don't know. why didn't they use the first guy to talk to the doctor? That's yeah. That that part I wasn't one hundred percent sure about. Except that from a narrative point of view. We it made more Bob. sense to yeah. use Bob, yeah. Yeah, they, they made a connection between the Doctor and, and, and Bob. I was like, please don't kill Bob. And Oof. then they did. And then of Angel course. Bob was even better than regular Bob. So. Yeah. <laughs> and what is and then that he was said? alive at the end anyways, because the angels never existed. So I don't, don't go there yet. All right, so <laughs> who's who? We have uh, Amelia Poln. Poln. Amy. Poln. Uh, she desperately wants to go to a planet next. So now she, mm-hmm. remember the last time we saw her, it was, I thought it was just going to be all being daft and fixing things, but no, it's dangerous. <laughs> now she's she's kind of like gung-ho back into it again. I want to go to a planet. Uh, let's Didn't see. Didn't you oh. say at the start that you wanted to go home and then she said you, oh yeah, No, yeah. no, that was at the end of this episode. Yeah, that was at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, so Karen Gillen. Uh, this is a little bit of a throwback. She appeared in the episode Fires of Pompeii. Remember we said in Fires of Pompeii, we not only have the first appearance of Peter Capaldi in the, mm-hmm. in the Hooniverse, mm-hmm. we had Karen Gillan, and she was one of the members of the Sibylline Sisterhood 
in an episode where one of the things that's important is someone's hand and arm turning to stone. Eh? Wow. wow. I thought that was great. Both so, of those plot points in both episodes were only like a few minutes long, but right, sure, yeah, yeah. it's a connection. Nice. Fun little parallel that uh, that the wiki pointed out that I did not even catch that at all. I forgot that she was in that episode completely. So mm-hmm. uh, the doctor says she's a time traveler now, and so it changes the way she perceives time. Because remember, she says, "Why do I remember everybody who fell in the vortex or in the in the in the the crack? Why do I remember you know the the soldiers and the t- uh, weeping angels?" Why do I remember them? If the doctor says you're a time traveler now, it changes the way you perceive time. So there is something wibbly wobbly about once you've traveled in time, you aren't affected in the same way by changes in the timeline. This is something we've talked about before. I think we talked about this like with Back to the Future. We said that that's like one theory for why Marty, uh, you know, even though his brother disappears from the picture, he still remembers mm-hmm. his brother and stuff. It's because. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Traveling in time gives you sort of an immunity to the changes in the timeline. Mm-hmm. So here we have it. Boom. <laughs> like, it's official. Yeah. Like, this this is a thing. So, And then lastly, we learn that she's engaged to Rory. Ro- Rory. Yeah. Not the, uh, not the good-looking one. <laughs> the one... <laughs> What did, what did he say? Gesture. He didn't say anything. Well, just no, made... no, no, I mean, like, the good-looking one or the other one. <laughs> Uh, the, yeah, yeah. No, he said he one. said he said the good-looking one, or uh, and then did the the little the, nose. the nose gesture. Yeah. And he's like the uh, and she's like the other one. And he's like, oh, he's good too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she's like, great. oh, thanks. I thought that was that was fantastic. That that um, uh, I love it when they do that. You know, like I said, there there was the bit with after he regenerated, pointing out his own chin. You know, stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, Got all that, we, and, and oh, there is more of that to come. More of that to come. So. What's with the ear? Oliver from uh, nine. Oh, yeah, from nine. Yeah, Ooh, all right. Uh, under who is the doctor? Um, he says he can run from anything he likes, time is not the boss of him. Okay. So I thought that was an interesting uh modification of when <sighs> 10 said, You know, the laws of time belong to me and they will obey me. You know, and I, yeah, and, the like, time and then like died the, the next episode. So. Yeah, well, you know. We all know that's that what happens out. when you go against time. Yeah. Anywho, uh, I just love the idea that, that the doctor can run from anything he likes. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> You're gonna just gonna run away. I can run away from anything I like. Uh, he'll never get done saving humanity. I thought that was that was mm. great. Oh, look at you, Loth. You're like rabbits. I'll never be done <laughs> saving you. Uh, let's see. He's on Virginia Woolf's bowling team. I just love when these little tidbits get thrown in. Didn't he? Wasn't he on someone's darts team? Yeah, it was like some other famous person. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah. Oh gosh, though, wait a minute. That was reminds me of Tahani. Honestly, that, that was a good. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was a good yeah. world building thing, where we're teaching the new companion. You know, the teaching them the ropes. You know, mm-hmm. and it's the idea that. Gosh, what what did he say leading up to this? He was talking about something. Oh, oh, that he had met the Aplan king. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he's been dead for 400 years. And he goes, Virginia Woolf's been dead for a long time too. I'm on her, I'm on her bowling team. And notice uh-huh. he didn't say, I was on her bowling team. He I said, I am. am. I'm on her bowling I team. I make regular visits. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, in other words, in about 100 years, I have to show up next Friday for a bowling match. You know, like, uh-huh. I just, I love crap like that where, you know, he could just pop in and out and, very, very girl in the fireplace. I don't understand how he's like, I'm on her bowling team when he can barely control the TARDIS. 
Like, how does he ever have time to just go play some bowling? He always has time. He is time. But this is true. I mean, so we definitely have hints that there are times where the doctor goes where he would like rather than uh-huh. where the TARDIS takes him. Yeah. You know, so, but... It only... Those he only the, gets sucked the away... Get he only gets sucked away when there's danger when he's right. time... Right, Yeah. Well, there's always danger because... Yeah. It's a very large universe and a near infinite amount of time, so he should be always getting sucked away to help dangers or whatever. Yeah. Maybe that's... Yeah. Things things happen, so... I love how he also says, oh, I gotta save the human race all the time, but it's actually the TARDIS taking him there, so technically the TARDIS is the one that wants to save the human <laughs> race all the time. Interesting, interesting. Uh, the doctor says there's one thing you never put in a trap if you're smart, if you value your continued existence, and if you have any plans about seeing tomorrow, there's one thing you never, ever put in a trap, to which Trip immediately goes, me. me. Right before the doctor <laughs> yeah. says, me, and shoots the gun. That was fantastic. It's like, so, and great. what would that be, sir? Yeah. Me. me. That was great. It's a good line. Dun, dun. Um, I don't know. So that's, that's, a, that, that's two in a row where we've had a bit of a rant of the week from mm-hmm. Eleven. Yeah, maybe maybe that maybe that that segment maybe needs to come back. That. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see how we it can goes. just put that. We can just cut like kind of put that under the who's the doctor bit. Yeah, like there a you rant. Go. Yeah, let's just do that. Another rant of the week. Bishop asks River, "Do you trust this man?" She says, "I absolutely trust him." He says, "Good. He's not some sort of madman." Then she says, "I absolutely trust him." <laughs> There's a, there is a brilliant pause, the perfect amount of time of no reaction, no look on her face, no blink, no emotion, nothing. I absolutely trust this man. <laughs> Which is funny in comparison to his line, I am definitely a madman with a bomb. <laughs> no, that's, it was an exact callback to that line. You know, he's, oh, he's not some sort of madman then. You're... And she was like, beat, beat, beat. <laughs> I absolutely trust him, you know, like, <laughs> and it's funny because she like he takes that as yes he's not a madman I absolutely trust him and she was totally dodging the question <laughs> completely <laughs> I love that that's that brilliant writing um, let's see Bishop uh, Bishop bought the doctor some time and the doctor says good I am good with time I was like wow, okay that's a interesting yeah. understatement for a time lord there yes I love this this bit where he's explaining the forest that's on the ship right. That it's, uh, you know, River calls it an oxygen factory. The doctor says, a forest in a bottle on a spaceship in a maze. Have I impressed you yet? <laughs> I just love that. Man. A forest in a bottle on a spaceship in a maze. I want that on a t-shirt somewhere. <laughs> uh, and then at some point, uh, she says, do you ever think? And he says, yes, I think sometimes. Well, oftentimes. <laughs> that whole bit, that whole bit of them back in her room where he is completely oblivious to what she's talking about. Where she's like... You know, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about what I want. And he's like, right, yes. I don't understand. What? I don't get it. <laughs> it's just like thinking about who I want. Oh, who? Right, yes. No, still not what? getting it. <laughs> <laughs> just, the timing on it, the writing on it, Karen's, so oblivious. Karen Gillen's face, the doctor's face, everything about that. I love that scene. <laughs> Um, and apparently there was there was some, as the Brits would say, controversy. Uh, there was a lot of controversy about mm-hmm. that whole scene, about her basically like throwing herself at the doctor. That was <laughs> not well received. It was a bit much. But at yeah. any rate. Uh, and then we have in that scene, we have a definitive marker here, guys. Plant, plant this on the timeline. He is 907 years old. Wow. 907. And as definitive... 
as the doctor can be on his age. Exactly, exactly. Because didn't Nine. 10 say he was 906? 10 said he was 900. You're telling me it's only been one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over apparently. four seasons. He said that it was, he was 900. Um, Not 906. Uh, no, because he said in that in speech. a relative standpoint. Because he said... I'm 900 years old and from the planet Gallifrey. Right. During that speech. But there was another point where he actually gave a like. I think it was on top of the building. I think it's Rose. No, it wasn't. He was on top of a building. I mean, not Rose. Talking with Donna about her wedding, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And he mentioned he was 900 something. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So at any rate, here we have, again, I don't know why they ever bother at this point, but they occasionally will do this. All right, who is River Song? Amy thinks River is the doctor's wife because no one treats him the way that she does. Although that was, uh, and then the doctor's like, he doesn't deny it. He yeah. like, he's like, <laughs> I mean, oh no, no, no! There was a great, was there like, was a great obfuscation there where, uh, <laughs> so she says. Uh, uh, Amy says something. She's asking the doctor a series of questions, and then she says, "Is she your wife? Is she your future wife, or something like that?" And he mm-hmm. says, "Yes." And then he says, "Yes, it's time to go," or something like yeah. that. Where yeah. he like, all of a sudden, you realize he wasn't saying yes to her question. No, just he's like, then. "Yes, he was yes, saying, it is blue." Or something like yeah, that. he was saying just yes that. to her question three questions <laughs> ago, and now it's time for action. So that was dodging that was, a question. Again, brilliant uh, writing. Brilliant uh-huh. writing. Uh, we see that River Song uh, is currently in prison, right? She's just kind of out on a work release program. And supposedly a really big prison or something, because he says it and is like, oh, that prison. <laughs> Storm cage. Storm also, didn't I mean, does that not she, sound a lot more terrifying than Alcatraz? I know. Yeah. Also, Storm didn't cage. Amy ask her if yes. she was a doctor? Her? And she yeah. did not answer. She's no, like, she said, she says, oh, oh the, you're good. Yeah, she said, this is the doctor we're talking about. Do you think it would really be something as simple as all that? And Amy <laughs> goes, uh, yeah. And she's like, oh, you're good. I'm not saying you're right, but you are good. You know, so um, a lot of hinting at some possibility here that they never really will let you land on anything. You can mm-hmm. hover around, but you can't land on anything here. So uh, the doctor says, can I trust you? And she says, if you like, but where's the fun in that? <laughs> Let me ask you guys. Do y'all trust River? At this point, no. Okay. Um, Before, no. <laughs> when they Before, first met, I'm like, this is a cuckoo person that thinks she knows the doctor. Okay. And then you said that we meet her again. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. And then we learned she's in jail. And I'm like, okay, no. And she's like, she killed someone. And I'm like, yeah. Mm. The jail thing, I was like. Okay, I that seems fine. There's plenty of reasons she, she could have gone to jail. killed a person, That wasn't all that bad. And then, you killed a person. A good person. A really good person that a lot of people knew. Hint, hint, it's the doctor, huh? You yeah, think and that? then like, stares at the doctor like... <laughs> killed a very good person. Very good. <laughs> so you think she killed the doctor? I'm I imagine. not okay. saying yet. <laughs> Wait, no, but we saw her die. And the doctor was still alive. All right, so here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, you asked the question earlier. How does she know the next time the doctor will see her is when the Pandora will open? Mm-hmm. They said at the beginning of this episode, the doctor says, we keep meeting out of order. Maybe she figured out the order. The, I, I need to, I am going to do some reading. I'm going to do some digging into River and really try and get my head wrapped around her. What order it should be? 
Yes. I've read mm-hmm. some breakdowns before where people have written out her timeline from her point of view. And it Well, you can tell because of breaks, this, 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 and that. Yeah, it breaks it's actually, your brain. I think – now, I'll, I'll, I will double-check on this, okay? But I think they are essentially backwards from each other. Like, like I don't even backwards. think it's a matter of you never know where you're going to be. It's I think like, it's I think it's virtually backwards. And she figured it out probably halfway through, realizing well, it'd be more than halfway she always through. meets backwards. This is her second to last if it's backwards, so not halfway through. Yes, but she knows that the Pandora okay. All right. will open so, the next time that she meets the doctor. Right, which would mean what for her? If it's that the next the time, time that he's going to see her, what does it mean for her? That she just saw him. It's the last time she saw him, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I'm saying. I need to dig into it because it may be more wibbly-wobbly than that. It may not be that they are literally, you know, one-to-one backwards from each I other. I feel like that it, would be not great story writing. Yeah. That it's yeah, just I, perfectly backwards. I think it's a little more tangled than that. However, however, um, in this episode, and I, I didn't I didn't go verify this, but it was in the wiki, the the little pod that Amy is in when she's having the little showdown with the angel, apparently in the background of that episode, or excuse me, in the background of that of that scene, is one of the suits that they are wearing in Forest of the Dead with the little hmm. uh, data ghost machine things. You know, mm-hmm. the, hey, who turned out the lights? Those white suits. Oh. Apparently, there's one of them hanging there. <gasps> yeah, that's weird. Right? Yeah. So, oh. <clears throat> but then obviously, she hasn't already done that because she she's dies getting in ready that to do that. Right? She doesn't know she she'll be a professor. She's still a doctor. Right. So. Right. Right. Ooh, I'll be a professor in the future. Lots of stuff going Spoilers. on there. So, uh, Corbin, you mentioned about Pan- the Pandorica being a fairy tale. Why doesn't he believe her? You know, and you know, like he knows that she's from his future. So why doesn't he just believe her? The question is, can we trust her? And he mm-hmm. doesn't know if he can trust her yet. Well, something like the Pandorica, like this doesn't seem like common knowledge. It's a fairy tale for a time lord. They probably have some pretty mm-hmm. deep rooted and insane fairy tales. <laughs> so for her to just know about that and know right. it actually opens or whatever, right? That's interesting. Uh, let's see. Other stuff we noticed. We got to move along quickly here. Uh, the last time we saw River, we spoke to dead people via a radio. Uh, well, I was thinking ah. about that. Except it, those were Vashta Narada taking the voice of the people, not literally ripping out the cerebral cortex. It's the same idea, though. Is you have the yeah. you have the creature of the week using a dead person to swarming communicate. around them and eating them all. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Wow. <laughs> I noticed that I've seen this episode now five times. This is the first time that I noticed that the whole time that Amy was sitting there with her eyes closed, she was calling out to a guy named Marco. Uh (laughs) Marco Polo. There definitely needed to be another soldier named, you know, Cleric Polo. That would have been perfect. (laughs) I did think it was interesting um, when I first started rewatching this um, and we meet a guy named Angelo I was thinking, um, I, I had it confused in my mind. I thought he was the guy that they end up using later instead of, instead of Bob. Bob. I mean, wouldn't that be, wouldn't Bob. that be perfect? Angelo. A guy named Angelo. Oh. They end up making him be the voice of the angels. That'd be pretty. Uh, that would have made sense. Crazy. But, but it didn't. So. Bob. 
Um, and but then, oh, okay. I got to throw this out. I have to mention this to the Whovians. Something very subtle happened during, there's that sweet little moment where the doctor is talking to Amy. She's got her eyes closed. Um, you know, he, he, he walks away to go follow, uh, river and, and the Bishop. And then he comes back to her real quick, grabs her hands and says, you have to remember, right? Whovians, did y'all catch it? There was something super, super subtle that you cannot get the first time. There's no way to get it. Are you geeking out here, I Dad? am totally geeking out because I noticed it this time and I didn't even know that I was going to notice it. I, was, I had forgotten. There's a little tidbit that I had forgotten completely. And when I was watching it, I was like, wait a minute. And then Why? I suddenly remembered what was going on there. So... Um, Hoovians, if you caught it, if you caught what I'm talking about, it so it's it's right before he kisses her on the forehead and, and leaves. Did you catch what happened there? If so, email me, tell me if you noticed it, because Stephen Moffat is flipping brilliant. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So guys, Noobs and the Hoovian is brought to you by up. listeners like Victor and Jared. If you find value in what we do and want to give a little bit of value back, that's what we ask for. Join us uh, for as little as a dollar a month as an Amelia patron. Starting at $5 a month, you'll be in the Amy tier where you'll get a shout out on the show each each week. Very creative. <laughs> what? <laughs> Amelia. Amy. Well, you know, Amelia's the younger Amy. Uh, so it's, that's the... Not creative. Why is it not creative? <laughs> it's very that's creative. amazing. But it's even better than what I was originally going to do, and it solved the problem, and then I I can't even tell you about the problem that it solved. $12 a month means that you're our very own River Song, always there for us. $15 a month makes you a hosting host, and you'll get a chance to guest host on an upcoming episode. Speaking of, we do have a little bit of information about that that we'll, I think we'll come to later on in the show. So go to patreon.com slash noobsandthehoovian and become a supporting patron of family-friendly independent media today. All right, so Corbin, can we talk about them never existing? We already talked about that. Not huh? enough in detail. Corbin, is this a point five worthy thing? Because we're all mm. we're already running long. I know. Let's but. let let's let's hold on to it and let's okay. maybe maybe do that as a point five. Can you can you can you hang on to what you were wanting to talk about? Yeah, I mean, all I was really wanting to say was them never existing just causes so much stuff. Like, why are they on the planet? How did they defend? How did one guy defend against like seventeen angels instead of five people defend? It's there's just definitely ramifications. There's some, some continuity issues if mm-hmm. you start erasing people from ever having existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you can't really do that without resetting everything that happened in the story. So, kind of got to ignore it. And yeah, you got to be a little wibbly wobbly about the whole thing. Yeah, just saying. Meh. So, uh, yeah. So, for example. Why didn't the people that were killed by the angels suddenly come back and show up as though yeah. they had never died because the angels were never there to kill them, but that didn't happen. They were always gone. And why did the people that Are go gone into the thing due to being there on the planet because of the angels not show up because they never would have gone in the thing? Right, right. And then why did the guy take so long to actually go investigate it? It's because those people just disappeared. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird issues with all that, but... right. All right, uh, that brings us to our classic Who connection. Before we let Jared loose, I just wanted to pause and say how awesome we all think Jared is. Um, He emailed me this segment late last night with a note 
that uh, said that he barely got it done this week. <laughs> um, I didn't even ask why, but I know how life gets busy and hectic. And um, he has just been steady since he came on board uh, the old wibbly wobbly train here. So thank you, Jared. You rock. Hello, noobs in the Whovian. This is Jared with your classic Who Connections for the two-parter, The Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. Just after the epic beginning of the Doctor getting the message from River and rescuing her, we see that, the, that she lands the TARDIS and does an environmental check. Environmental checks used to be a standard procedure after every landing of the TARDIS. And they looked particularly for radiation levels. Mm -hmm. Now, not doing an environmental check, uh, but still knowing what the environment consisted of, was a callback to the second doctor. And he did something very similar to that just after regenerating. And they pretty much stopped environmental checks after that. That was kind of a first doctor thing. And I think that they were just trying to drop that part and not have to do it every time because I felt think they felt it was not necessary and maybe kind of boring. But I wonder I, I, well, let me not cut wonder off. if having the second doctor suddenly know the environment was implying that he knew all of these planets and all of, all of these environments so well because he's so old that uh, he just he, he automatically knew them and didn't really need to do those checks anymore. Or if it was more that uh, just like we've seen that he can taste dirt and figure out what's in it, if it was more of those sort of senses. I don't know which one, but I do want to point out that here we have another connection to the second doctor. Um, I'm wondering if the whole checking the environment, specifically the radiation levels, is like a 1960s thing. Yeah. You know, like we're kind of in the atomic age where, you know, like yeah. there's there's constant threat of nuclear war and annihilation and all I that. I don't know, I'd, but the Daleks? Yeah, that was a very key point in the Dalek episode was right. they checked mm -hmm. it and it didn't and the radiation fast enough meter and suddenly was busted, right? they're like dead or whatever right. just because they can't keep up. Right. But another another second Doctor reference. Yep. Now, back in the five Doctors, which is the story where we see the first five Doctors all together in one story, uh, the Doctor also recognized High Gallifreyan writing. And back then, he was one of just a handful left who could understand it. And now he's likely to be about the only one, except maybe River Song, of course, uh, they might be the only two that uh, could really read and understand High Gallifreyan writing. Romana I also claimed to be better at piloting the TARDIS than the Doctor. That was with uh, the fourth uh, Doctor, and uh, it was in the story, the, the Ribos operation. And in that story, the Doctor was also not amused at that assertion. I think he likes to be the best pilot of the TARDIS. And also, if you go back to the first Doctor, Ian and Barbara accuse the Doctor of not being able to pilot the TARDIS well or the pilot being or, or the TARDIS being broken because yeah. they can't choose when and where they land. Uh, and, and he was annoyed by that also And when actually that was the case. We, we see that the Doctor really wants to be seen as in control and the best pilot of the TARDIS. I think, I don't remember if we talked about this on the show or if Jared and I talked about this some other time, but there was like a running bit for the first couple of seasons where the TARDIS was essentially just like out of control. So I don't it think was, we talked about that. Did we? 
Oh, we didn't, you're saying? No, I don't so, think So, like, there was a show called um, Sliders where they had to jump through a portal into a different dimension, and they had a timer that would count down, and at the end of every episode, they would jump through the portal again, hoping to get home, or like Quantum Leap, where he was always trying to get back home. Same kind of idea. So, originally, the TARDIS, they were just trying to get Ian and Barbara home. And for a couple of seasons, every time they landed, they were like, I don't know, maybe this is it. You know, so like that. <laughs> maybe episode, this is coincidentally the right place and time period. Let's right, hope. Right. And so remember the the uh, second episode uh, that we watched. Oh no, 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 that was the one that I watched without you guys, where it was a it was the the second time that the Doctor encounters the Daleks, and they had landed in London, but it turned out they landed in London in like twenty two forty six or something, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Um, nah, so they I'll were take like, it. They were like, oh, so close. You, you know. never know. They might still be alive. <laughs> yeah. The Doctor's super speed reading abilities were first seen with the fourth Doctor in the City of Death. The fifth Doctor told Adric that he was not a taxi service in the story Earthshock. And he told that, of course, to River this time. In this story, the doctor kisses Amy on the head before he leaves her for a moment, and he has done this before with two classic Who companions, uh, Zoe Hirat and in the War Games, and Joe Grant in the Colony in Space. All right, well, for two stories, that's not a whole lot of connections, but I think that's okay because you guys are probably talking about a whole bunch of stuff. There's plenty to talk about in this one, and I'm just going to say I loved it. How could you go wrong with River Song and the yeah, Weeping Angels? Right. I mean, it had everything. It was epic to start. It was epic throughout the story, and it was mm-hmm. epic in the end. And it tied so many pieces together and just had such far-reaching thinking going on behind this and how it works with all the other stories and, and the complicated story arc of River Song and the Doctor and just... I could watch this one over and over again, uh, not without its flaws, of course, but uh, still pretty darn perfect there. So I'm going to give it a 9.5 complicated intersecting timelines. (laughs) And also for the creep level, I'm going to give it 425 creep levels uh, out of the 500 there. And uh, with the Weeping Angels, uh, it could almost always be a full 500, but I'm kind (laughs) of going with my gut on this one that it's just not, it didn't quite hit me over the top to that 500. And maybe I'm getting desensitized to the Weeping Angels. I don't know. Uh, But uh, that's just, that's where I'm feeling like it could have just creeped me out just a little bit more, but that's pretty tough. And that 425 comes mostly from the idea of an entire cave full of angels and, and, and not even knowing it. And the whole taking over Bob's body and, and, and being able to talk with the doctor through Bob and just all of that stuff, all that stuff that just, it it got me up there just not quite over the top for some reason. All right. Thank you to the TARDIS Wikia. And uh, I haven't mentioned in a while, but thank you to my memory because it's still doing it. I don't just get all of this stuff from the TARDIS Wikia. So uh, thank you to my memory. Thank you to BritBox for uh, helping me watch the Classic Who episodes uh, and keeping me going there uh, so I can bring you these Classic Who connections. And of course, as always, thank you to Noobs and the Whovian for having me on. And I look forward to bringing you more Classic Who connections next time. All right. So guys, um, overall impressions, 
uh, what are what are your thoughts? I have to say it was a very good, like a very good story. I like what Jared said about how it was a full, like probably what two hundred weeping angels that were like dying and decaying, and yeah. that seemed like a good plot point. The I mean not plot point. Uh, that seemed to be a like a good. I don't know, what do you call it? Like, idea, I guess. Concept. Yeah, concept. A good concept for a story. Especially how, like, the doctor didn't realize, oh, yeah, they're supposed to have two heads. Yeah. And I like the whole Bob. Bit convenient, but sure. It's a nice twist. Like, all how, like, Bob could still communicate. And I feel like they kind of made up some stuff with, like, the whole gravity ball and stuff. But other than that, I think it was a pretty, like, a pretty solid story, especially with the Return of the Weeping Angels. That's definitely um, a higher, I definitely had a high expectation for this one. Sure, and oh, yeah. My yeah. needs, well, I mean, my expectation did not fail uh, for this episode. I think I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 stone eyes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hate statues. I hate <laughs> eyes of statues. Because they either don't have pupils and they're creepy, yeah. or they have pupils and they're creepy. <laughs> There's no good way to make eyes look good. There's no good way. I, yeah. Is that, is that why that one painter like just like put an apple over the guy's face? <laughs> didn't want to bother with <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> but at any rate, um, I, yeah, I thought this was a, a strong episode. We've talked about some of the things that we didn't care about, uh, some of the things I didn't care for with the Weeping Angels changing a little bit and everything. But overall, uh, you're developing an ongoing, recurring mm-hmm. villain. Uh, so that means it's, it can't be what it started as because otherwise there's no growth. You know, So mm-hmm. things have to change. That's, that's fine. Um, all classic villains do. We've seen the Daleks keep changing. So. Sadly. Um, I love, I mean, there, so there, there's timey-wimey stuff with, with River. And anytime there's River, you know, she said, I'm mm-hmm. a complicated time event. You know, like, yeah, yeah. no joke. Yeah. Um, so anytime you have her, you get some, some timey-wimey stuff. We had just neat sci-fi stuff like gravity, you know, like mm-hmm. when they jumped yeah. and got pulled up by the artificial gravity of the ship. Did we and actually jumped. see them get pulled up? No, no it happened. It happened between there. the episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you have the doctor jumping into the tunnel and then landing sideways yeah. because <laughs> like, gravity orients to the floor. You know. Like also, a- there was the weird thing of like, none of them realized they had been flipped while flying up towards the thing. Yeah, they yeah, were, yeah. They just Slightly jumped in and their yeah. mind landed again. So yeah. that was weird. Exactly. Um, so there's just a lot of fun things going on here. Um, I said during Jared's thing, there weren't enough jump scares, but actually the bit where... The angel is moving on the recording, the video clip, yeah, the four-second repeating clip. That's just, that's huh. creepy. So Even I'm before she did, huh. I was looking at the time to make sure it was actually looping. That it was actually showing looping. Yeah, yeah. Feed. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it nine repeating video clips out of ten. Corbin, what about you? Um, I thought this was, I liked this episode a lot. There was nothing that stood out as exceptional because it was all just so good. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to give this 9 out of 10 Blue Boringers. Blue Boringers. Sounds like a great band name right there. <laughs> We're the Blue Boringers. If you say so. Good night, Cleveland. All right. Uh, creep level. I um, 
Jared gave it 425 out of 500, which at first I thought was kind of strong. And and I said something about the jump scares, but like I said, then I immediately remember the jump scares Uh. in the video clip. And then the biggest jump scare when it comes out of the screen. And it's like still staticky. And it's like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Everything about that was just wrong in like the best possible way. And then also like the decaying statues. Those are pretty gross. How creepy is a decaying statue? Yeah, the creepiest part was them like, Cutting off the lights and then turning around, and you got <laughs> decaying zombie-looking weeping angels, literally like crawling, crawling across the ground. Them. It's like everything you would see in a zombie movie, and it makes <laughs> except, except frozen in stone, which yeah. is even worse. Pretty, Imagine pretty freezing a zombie. Uh, so I'm gonna it's give like, it. I'm gonna give it 400 out of 500 creep levels. Corbin, what do you got, man? Uh, again, a really creepy episode. This is <laughs> probably 350 for me. All right, higher end of the scale was. Definitely. I mean, not the creepiest thing ever, mm, but yeah. even sure, just sure, sure. angels like pointy teeth and scary blank eyes. That's unpleasant. Those teeth are pretty horrifying, man. When yeah. you see him, mm-hmm. he's like... Because every monster is like big, scary, pointy teeth, and then you see him on the weeping angels, and suddenly it's absolutely terrifying. For I also realized... Pointy teeth on something that shouldn't be scary. Yeah. I yeah. also realized Bob was the only person who didn't have the creepy teeth when... They were all staring at the doctor or whatever. Yeah, like that's an interesting angels. point. He was the only that. person without the teeth beard or whatever. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So, Trip, what's your what's your creep level out of five hundred? I gotta say, this is definitely up there, but it's not as far up as the first one with the weeping angels. Okay. I just feel like it was slightly less scary. I mean, I did like the whole temple idea, and that was pretty amazing. I liked seeing Eleven's take on it and mm-hmm. how the Doctor changed from when it was a one-off thing without the Doctor to when it was with the Doctor. Yeah, he really had to face him head-on in this one. Yeah. yeah. So I think I'm going to give it 375. This is definitely one of the higher ones. You know, something I just thought of is that the angels are not doing the one thing that they do in this episode. Which is zap people back, back yeah. and then feed they off of their exclusively energy. killed Broke people. Necks, yeah, like and the one person, the first person, it makes sense. It's to yeah. lure others into the trap. Second person, they didn't use ever, but still snapped his neck. <sighs> mm-hmm. And then Bob was because emotional attachment mm-hmm, to the yeah. doctor. Right, right. So two things. Mm-hmm, one, the last guy. we don't know what they did to the bishop. Yeah. No, we heard a crack and a fall. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, he's like got his. Right, he, was, he was legitimately <laughs> touching him, but right. hadn't sent him back in time. Right. So. And then number two is that they didn't need to send anyone back and feed off of the potential energy because the time crack energy they, yeah. were, they were feeding off. Even of still, I feel like that. the simple sending him back in time couldn't have hurt, so why didn't you just do that? Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, they, yeah. they were much more vindictive in this episode. It was like they were teasing the doctor the whole time. All right, yeah. so that brings us to theories real quickly, guys. Um, so we said last time that uh, Corbin thinks that the crack will appear in every episode and that uh, we scratched out the master, <laughs> either the master or last time he said the new paradigm Daleks are responsible for it. I'm just going to say, um, <laughs> um, actually, um, actually. The crack didn't appear in episode four. Well, you know, that's a quick edit. Edit. Strike through episode, change it to story. (laughs) Bam. Blast. Get yeeted. Blast. (laughs) Uh, So, so uh, that is, that is still holding up as correct so far. So Corbin, what, uh, do you have any changes to your theory? 
well, what I just said, obviously, and no, not anything else other than that. I mean, it's basically just, yeah, actually, because Dad's over here being a nerd, <laughs> it, yeah. it makes more sense for it to be every story rather than every episode. And no, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it with that. All right. I'm just gonna say the new Paradigm Daleks because it might not be them, but I don't know who else it would be. So okay, I'll stick with them. All right. Uh, Trip thinks the crack has something to do with Amy not remembering the stolen Earth incident. Correct. I think we can go ahead and, Put that and call correct. that. I, since you said something to do with Amy, I'm just going to call that one correct. Clearly. Because, I mean, we and, saw that. And we're done with that one. <laughs> it happens tomorrow on her wedding. I don't see why not. Yeah. So. Uh, Trip thinks that the star whale is significant and we will see it again. We're still at a not yet on that. Did I you have still- any... Anything that you wanted to add, subtract, or modify for your um, crack theory? Um, crack I think theory. that the crack... Didn't we say we were going to add the whole crack um, about how I thought it was like a crack at the end of the universe? And when the doctor closed it, it broke time or something, and then it started spilling out. Yeah. All right. So what was it now? So I think that it's a bear... It was, it's a crack on a wall that was a barrier at the end of our universe because it said, doctor says that it's, the doctor says that it's the fire at the end of the universe. So I think that means not the fire that burns when the in universe ends, but the fire at the end of the universe that stops at a wall. And I also think that when the doctor, like, um, tried to close it, it somehow broke from it being a little portal to it breaking the universe or something, and it started spilling something out or whatever, like they said. Okay. Corbin had something to say about that, too, I think. I mean, basically just that it's what will cause the end of the universe, which I don't think we really need to write down. It's not super big in my opinion it's just oh this thing is gobbling everything up it's probably the end of the universe okay is my interpretation of that line all right all right so that brings us down to listener input we didn't have any new uh reviews this this week so i'm going to remind everybody that we are still on our mission to get a new review each month in 2019 so the challenge still stands leave us a review in the month of your birthday and uh, if you do, send us an email saying that you, you left your birthday month review, and we will not only read the review, which we will, you know, we'll always do that anyway, but we'll also wish you a happy birthday on the show, or as Corbin put it, we will sing a different version of happy birthday to you each time we have to do this. I cannot wait. Yes. <laughs> which we haven't created. The, so, we should do like a Doctor Who version. For ooh, yeah. This is going to completely backfire if we ever build a very big audience, because... <laughs> Gonna get several per month, and we're that's right. We'll sing one. Eventually, we'll be making them up. Right now, it's September of 2019. So, if you're listening to this in like 2024, (laughs) the offer may not stand any longer. So, all right. So, singing one per month, and then reusing some, and using one happy birthday. No, eventually we'll just have to start making them up. People. Eventually, we'll just have to change the plan. So, speaking of the plan, the game plan, next week is our Timey Wimey episode covering the radio drama version of Robert Heinlein's 
by his bootstraps. And uh, if you go to noobsinthehoovian.com and look at the show notes for the latest episode, scroll down to the game plan, or uh, actually it's in the next time section, you'll see a link to the radio drama, drama revival presentation of Robert Heinlein's By His Bootstraps. That's a mouthful. Uh, so if you click on that link, that'll take you directly to that because their archive doesn't go back that far in their RSS feed. And so uh, make sure that you take a listen to that. And then after that, we are straight back into series five with Vampires of Venice. There is a mini-sode that precedes Vampires of Venice. This is Meanwhile in the TARDIS part Uh, We'll remind you of that next week, but if you look in the show notes for this episode and in the next episode, we'll have a link to a YouTube uh, video where you can watch that that little mini-sode. And uh, that just is a fun little lead-in. I was watching part of it today, and it is is really cool. I think it was, again, a push to introduce new viewers to Mm -hmm. what in the heck is going on. You know, Mm -hmm. it's more stuff about more fan question type of things or new mm. fan questions. Remember like why, you know, where do the windows go and why doesn't the air leak out, you know, and all those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, so there's some more of that. So join us next time as we discuss uh, Robert Heinlein's by his bootstraps, long time coming. I can't wait for it. Noobs in the Hoovian is a production of Master Closet Studios, where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Our audio engineer is this guy. Sure. Our production editor is this other guy. I'm Corbin. Special thanks to TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia. Thanks to Jared for the Classic Who connection. And shout outs this week to Victor and Jared for their Patreon support. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Noobs and the Whovian. You can message us there or email us at Noobs and the Whovian at gmail.com. Full show notes and other fun stuff is at noobsandthehoovian.com. Consider supporting us at patreon.com slash noobsandthehoovian. Subscribe and leave a rating wherever you found us. Throw some stars at our face. Share us with a friend, not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. Until next time, my name's Austin. I'm the Whovian. These are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're the noobs. noobs. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Be whip.